right. Are you ready for the word this morning? Awesome. Well, before I get into the word, I just want to honor someone this morning. And um, Leona, Leona, just give a wave to everyone. Everyone look around. This is Leona. Leona actually had her birthday on Friday. And so I just felt, Leona, over this weekend that I wanted to honor you this morning. Johannes and I both felt like we wanted to just give special honor where honor is due. And so Liana has been someone that has been with us from the beginning. And we just felt, honestly, we could not have launched our kids' church without Liana's help, without her constant commitment every single week. And all of her kids, stick on Liana up. Yay! They have made this an absolute family event. And honestly, for the last two years, Liana, we just want to thank you so much for everything that you've poured in over the last two years in this children's church. You know, for children's church, you don't just show up on a Sunday. You work through curriculums. You work through lessons. You think up games. You think up songs. You make props. You make little things. And there's an incredible team. But Liana was the first one to say, I am going to help you guys carry this. I'm going to take responsibility for this. And honestly, she has been on it, committed, and faithful with it. And Liana, I just wanted to publicly thank you so much for that. And we are really trusting that God is going to do an incredible thing in your life in this year. And I shared with her a word on Friday that I said when we were praying for, I really felt like God was going to do and prepare new wine in your life. There is a new anointing. There is a new thing that you are stepping into. And and you've also grown so much in your faith. And we are just so proud of that. And so excited to see what God's going to continue doing in you and in your family. And your kids are awesome. They are our biggest helpers. They've prepared everything here this morning. So we just want to honor you and your family and say that we love you and God bless you. Amen. Let's give her a hand this morning. All right. Well, so as you know, we are a bit thin in numbers here, I see this morning. I wonder if everyone else is really praying and interceding for the service. They're so into the fast right now. Who is currently with us on the 21-day fast? Okay, yes. There's a lot of people actually that have messaged us or messaged us in the week as well to say that, hey, you have not posted what is today's scripture. And I said, well, you just follow the book of John for 21 days. You'll end on the 21st uh, with John 21. But we're just so excited as a church. You know, Johannes felt strongly on his heart that it is a time for us Not just a new season in the natural, but in the spiritual, we're stepping into a new season. We're stepping into a new time where it's not just a nice thing to say that God is doing a new thing. We're actually believing we're on the verge of breakthrough, not just as a church, but in a lot of people's personal lives. And we said sometimes to get what we've never had, we've got to do something we've never done. We've got to find ourselves in a place where we humble ourselves before the Lord through something like fasting and prayer to really seek his face and seek his direction and seek his love in a time where I actually believe God is going to prepare our hearts for something that we cannot even think, ask, or imagine. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Don't just say yes because I'm excited. 
we honestly, Johannes feels very strong about this. And when we were sharing about what are we going to teach on, what does the Lord want us to share on a Sunday? You know, we don't just Google sermon ideas. We pray every week and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want to share with your people? Because Johannes and I are just stewards of this platform. This is God's church. And Johannes felt very strongly in his heart for a while now that we need, when we talk about prayer, we need to talk about the Lord's prayer. Or actually, shall we say, he keeps reminding me, it's the disciples' prayer. Which is right, because the Bible says that Jesus had no sin, so he didn't need to pray, forgive me. But it is a model that he gave us to help us to pray. And so, when we started speaking about fasting last week, and you can follow again on Vision today, is that Jesus said in Matthew 6 that there are three fundamental things for every Christian. In number six, oh, number six, in Matthew 6, he said there are three private disciplines that are actually secret disciplines. That when we do them in private, when we do them in secret, in other words, not to be seen or not to get approval or applaud from people, that those things will actually get public reward. And he said, when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. When you give, when you fast, and when you pray. And I believe that's why we need to really talk about prayer, because we can talk about a fast, and we can explain last week we shared what is a biblical fast, what are some of the examples in Scripture. But if we are not going to be praying, you know, then really we're not fasting. <laughs> It's great to be off social media for a little while. It's great to be off the choppies and the coffee and the chocolate, all the good stuff. But if we're not going to be spending time in the Word, and if we're not going to seek the Lord in prayer, then really all we're doing is a diet. And we just have more time on our hands because we're not Facebooking. And so really we want to encourage us as a church community to stay in prayer over these next 21 days. I mean, always. But especially in these next 21 days, God has got something that he's doing in the supernatural. He's busy with something in your family. He's busy with something around your circumstances. He's busy with something in this church. And there is, there is a new level of intimacy that we're entering into. And yeah, I just think it's very powerful that when we fast and when we pray, we are actually putting ourselves in a position for the Lord to take us into this new season. And when I spoke to Liana about the wineskins, I also shared with her, you know, a wineskin is something that had to be removed to prepare for the new. In other words, we cannot go into this new season with old wineskins. We need the Lord to come and burn away what cannot come with into the next season. And we've even talked about it in the fast. We're on day seven today. And, you know, the first week is always the hardest. Because your flesh is screaming for what it is used to getting. Whether it's something for comfort, whether it's something that we're feeding our body, whether it's something that we feed our hearts with, that is not the Lord. It is literally screaming for it. 
But this is the time where we know we're making progress. This is the time where we know we actually need to press in just a little bit more. And that's why it's so great when you're in a corporate setting and you can actually encourage one another. Because you need that. We hold each other accountable. I can see when Johannes is looking at that glass holder with the biscuit. Rasks, thank you. Jar. My English is all over. My English disappeared in the fast. Maybe that's a word from the Lord. All right. So, you know, when we don't have a prayer relationship in secret, there cannot be any public reward. So God is calling us into the secret place. And sometimes I think that's a hard place for us to get to when we're not used to cultivating that secret place. But I pray that today's message will really encourage us and give us the hearts to actually press through and pursue God even harder than we are right now. Because I really believe, church, there is a reward for us. Not that we do it for a reward, we do it for His presence. But He is a God who rewards, amen? All right, so what is prayer? Okay, when we say we talk about prayer, we don't necessarily mean that you have to lock yourself in your cupboard and now pray there for the next 12 hours. There are people who do that, praise the Lord, okay? But we are saying, where in your schedule do you make time to get quiet, to withdraw from the world, to seek His face? So prayer is relational communication. It's not a means to an end. But it's a relationship, okay? It's a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we don't see God for what He can give us, but we seek Him for who He is. What He gives us is a byproduct, okay? And we need to have faith in the power of prayer. And I think that's really my prayer today, is that God will encourage our faith again to know that when we actually pray, He hears us. Because isn't that what sometimes holds us back from praying? We feel like it's a worthless activity because, like, I'm praying to the ceiling, like he's not hearing me. And the thing that the Lord confirmed in my heart, it's like I needed to hear it again this week. Just in my quiet time on Friday, Friday morning, I was sitting on the stoop reading the word, and I felt him say, I'm listening. Oh, my goodness. Like, that was just so encouraging to my heart again. I know the Lord listens. Here we are, flooding a church. But it was like I also needed to hear that He is listening. I'm talking not to an invisible God. I'm talking to my Father who's right here with me. I might not see Him, but He is there. Amen? We need to, we need to believe that He's listening, that He hears us, and... That he is currently already working in our lives. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that he's not busy. And what I've also learned is that when you start praying, it is not abnormal for there to be a little chaos. Because what happens when we start praying? We start to engage in the spiritual realm. Okay, we engage with heaven, and sometimes that means things come loose around us. So do not be discouraged if in this first week you already sensed things are shaking a little bit. It is okay. It is a good sign. 
It is a sign that God is working on your behalf. His angelic warriors are working in your situation. Remember, we spoke about Daniel last week. 21 days, three weeks he was fasting. And then when the angel came to him after the three weeks, he said to him, on the first day you started to pray, heaven heard. And the angels were sent. Okay? So I really pray that that encourages you this morning. And we are just going to spend time in Matthew 6 today. I feel like we've been there all year. <laughs> it's a good place to be. But we're going to read through Matthew 6 this morning where Jesus actually teaches the disciples how to pray. And before we actually talk about that, what is the way not to pray? He said the following. Let's read. If you want to follow a new version, I'm going to read from the New King James in Matthew 6 verse 5 to 8. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the corners of the streets, so that they might be seen by men. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward already. They actually used to pray. A lot of the pagans in those times used to pray, and they would repeatedly say the names of their gods in the streets. Even the religious leaders that were praying to the God of Israel were also standing there and repeatedly just standing in the street corners three times a day to be seen that they are praying. So the Lord is saying, don't make your motive to appear spiritual. Just talk to me like two people would talk to one another. Because otherwise you will not receive your reward. If people applaud you and tell you you are so holy and so awesome, you've already received your reward. Then verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. He's already there. He's just waiting. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. That is awesome. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father, everyone say, my father, knows the things you have need of even before you ask him. So Jesus says, do not also be like the pagans who would ramble off the same rhymes and vain repetitions because they think the longer they pray, the more words they use, the more holy they sound, the more God is going to respond and listen to them, and the greater they sound and look to the people watching them. You know, this made me think of, I don't know if this is Afrikaans thing, but, Siegen vader, siegen sop. Die Heere van die leerskare. Okay? No offense if I'm stepping on any toes and you've maybe had a little rhyme that you were praying. That's Okay? <laughs> But what Jesus is actually saying, don't just quote Siegen Vader, Siegen Sop, and not actually pray from your heart. Not actually tell the Lord how you feel, what you need. Because even though he knows what we need, he still is inviting us to come and talk to him about it. In my relationship with my husband, he knows what I love. What I love. He knows what I like and what I want to do. Okay, He knows what frustrates me. And sometimes 
I just want to talk to him about it and share. And I just want him to listen. <laughs> because I just want to get my heart out. I don't need a solution. I don't need him to fix it. Is any woman with me here this morning? You don't need them to fix anything. I just want to be heard. I want to verbally process. Can I get a witness? That's right. That's a part, We want to verbally process. And I just want him to listen. He's very good at listening. Okay? And the Lord is the same with us. Like he wants us to actually have the confidence to just come and just pour out your heart. I know what you need. That doesn't mean we don't need to tell him. But he wants to hear our heart about it. He wants us to talk to him about it. Our pastor always used to say, In other words, go and spill everything in your secret time with the Lord. Because his shoulders are really big enough to carry. doesn't matter what we think we have to carry. His shoulders are bigger. So it's a safe place to verbally process. Amen. That was not in my notes. All right, Segen Vader, Segen Sop. Real, earnest, and honest prayer is what will receive a reward from the Lord. An honest conversation. He wants you to just be you. He doesn't want you to pray like Johannes. He doesn't want you to pray like Stefan. He doesn't want you to pray like Lauren. He wants you to just talk to him. I think sometimes we just need to remove that label of prayer and just call it a chat with our heavenly dad. Amen. All right, so then Jesus continues and he talks to the disciples and he says, they actually ask him, Lord, how should we pray? Because remember, they've been walking with Jesus and they saw Jesus every day go and spend quiet time with the Father. And then Jesus would come back and he would do crazy things and ministry and all these amazing things would happen. But they saw him go into the secret place on a daily basis. And Jesus would always speak of the Father. He didn't come down from the secret place from a mountain and say, well, the God in heaven says. He said to them, the Father says. And so we're going to talk about that, but I'm going ahead of myself. Jesus gives us a framework, which is really a guideline to how we can pray. So yes, the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, we call it, my Bible actually calls it the model prayer, which I thought was cool. The model prayer. And that doesn't mean we have to always just repeat it. I believe it's very powerful when you pray it like it is. But there is so much more when you dig into Scripture that Jesus was actually saying why this is a guideline for us in prayer. Why this is a framework that we can follow and apply to our lives. So why don't we just actually read it? Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13. Can I start in New King James? I've got three versions. That's right. We're going to go into the Word. All right, so then Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, why don't we read the Amplified? The Amplified says this. Pray then in this way. Actually, can everyone read it with me? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, 
Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And verse 10. Was that Well, what's that verse 10? Okay. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How powerful. I'm going to read one more version. You don't have to read it with me. But the Passion Translation, which is the one that's actually translated from the Aramaic language. Listen to what this says. Pray like this. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Verse 10. We acknowledge you. Yeah, so verse 10 was separately, I think. Okay. Manifest your kingdom realm. And cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is in heaven. And then verse 11, hallelujah. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done, as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Daar is die Amplified. Het jy die einde van die passion? Yo, we don't have the passion. Let me just read the passion for you from here. It's in your um, notes as well. Can I just start it again? Because I think it's really powerful, and I want us to really take this in. Pray like this. Our beloved Father dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. So the first three parts, there's actually six parts that Jesus is teaching. And the first three focuses on God, where he is, who he is, what he is responsible for. And then the second three focuses on us, what we need what we need to do, what we can pray for. So we see that the principle that Jesus is actually teaching is that in our prayer, God even comes first. Even in our prayers. God is the one that comes first, and secondly, we follow. And that first line, number one, that says, Our Father in heaven. I love that it actually starts with our. It says, Our Father. You know, I have a younger brother, and 
My parents are also his parents. They are our parents, but they are also my parents. And the same is true with the Father. God has actually called us into community. And I know we know all of this, but I want you to really think deeper beyond what we, what we know about the Lord's Prayer, what we've memorized in, in our childhoods. Think about what Jesus is actually saying. He's saying that this is a prayer that I want you to also pray collectively. There is a power when the body of Christ is in unity. Where the brothers and sisters, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We must have more sibling love. And I felt like the, go uh, like the Lord really reminded me that he doesn't actually call people to be lone rangers in the kingdom. There is no such thing as a lone ranger in the kingdom. And I know sometimes life pushes people around. And we end up in a place of isolation. We end up in a place of loneliness. And God is actually saying, I want you as the church to go and grab the people that are standing on the sidelines. Go and grab your brother and sister that is standing alone in the cold somewhere and bring them into the heat. Bring them into the house. Bring them into the place of fellowship and community. Because our father wants to also take care of all his children. He's not calling us to live in isolation. And I, I really want to pray that these isolation bubbles, and COVID has not helped at all, okay? It's a demonic plot from the enemy. God has not called us to be isolated. He's not called us to do life alone. And so I really want to encourage us as a church community, even on a Sunday, there's a beautiful opportunity for us to connect with one another. Even around the coffee table, you know, it's impossible for me and your highness to take care of everybody. But if we can all take care of one another... I see in our team, people that start serving together start to love one another. I've seen people really crawled out of their lives and they've embraced this thing of serving and being together and being part of a team and part of a family. And I can see friendships developing. I can see how they're praying for one another, how they're giving each other strength and encouraging one another through the word. And I really believe that that is God's heart. He's called us to be a body. He's called us to do life together. And this whole prayer has a plural form throughout it. It's a corporate prayer as much as, as it is an individual prayer. Romans 12, 16 says that in Christ we form one body and each member belongs to the other. We belong to one another. Amen. James 5.16, have we got that one? It says the following, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Church, I want to ask us this morning, who are you currently praying with? Have you got someone in your life, even if it's just one person? It might be a spouse, it might be a friend, it might be someone here in church, a colleague. But is there someone, and I'm not, I'm not talking about I'm WhatsApping you and I'm telling you, yes, I'm praying for you, start the doso. I'm talking about you sitting together face to face and we're praying for one another. And I'm asking you, Hannes, what can I pray for you? And I pray with you right here and now. Because why? There is power in the corporate prayer. 
There is power in us praying together. And Johannes' vision for this church is that we will always be a praying church. Because if we have a revelation of the power that is available in prayer, and we know this, but do we always walk it out? It's impossible for Johannes and I to always pray with each or with everyone, with each other, with everyone in the church. Amen. We need to pray with one another. Is there someone that you can share your burdens with? Is there someone that you can say on a weekly basis or once a month or whatever, hey, can we just pray for one another? Sometimes the Lord has challenged me because I'm a verbal processor. I have friends that I share everything with. Ooh, die drama van hierdie week moet ek nou eers vir jou vertel. Nothing wrong with that. But do we pray as much about it as we talk about it? Do we pray for one another for those difficult people at work? Just dropping a seed there. Maybe it's for someone. Okay. Who are you praying with? The second thing he says, our father. Jesus called him Abba, father, which is the Aramaic for, for daddy, father. And when I was preparing this word, I really felt like one of the biggest hindrances for us as believers to have a fruitful prayer life is how we see the Father. Johannes spoke about it a few months ago. How do you see the Father? Because if we look at the Father as an angry God, as a judge that just wants to give out hidings, you're always doing something wrong. You feel guilty and condemned. You don't feel like you can really ask and bring your needs. You don't feel like you can, with confidence and boldness, go to the throne. You cannot approach the Lord because you feel different things. That is a sign that maybe we need a revelation on who the Father is. Because when I have a relationship with someone and I communicate with them, I communicate from a place of how I see them and what our relationship is like. So if I don't believe he's my father, then I would always maybe have a prayer life that seems very, oh, holy God in the heavenlies, let your kingdom come. It's impersonal. And the Lord's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Amen. Has anyone ever felt like that? And so I really feel like the Lord wanted today, even as I was praying and preparing, I said to him, Lord, what is it that you want to do in this service? Everyone knows the Lord's prayer. And I felt on my heart that the Lord says, but not everyone knows me as father. And I saw a picture, literally, of a little child sitting, sitting on daddy's lap. This is the way that the father wants us, not that he's my daddy. Sugar daddy. <laughs> okay, this is what the father wants to do. He wants us to go and sit on his lap. Amen. Not approach him in like scared, tiptoey. Ooh, what is he going to say? No, that's not, that's not how the father wants to relate to his children. Amen. And I sometimes see that when people come and see us and, and, and I ask them, how do you see the Lord? It's not as Father. 
is not a comfortable place necessarily. And so that is really my biggest prayer today also, that we will be reminded of the way that Jesus taught us that he's our father. The same way he's taking care of me, he wants to take care of you. Amen. Psalm 68 verse 5 to 6 says, He is a father to the fatherless. He sets the lonely in families. Psalm 27 verse 10, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will adopt me as his child. My dad passed away when I was six years old, so I had feelings of abandonment and rejection for a long time. My mom got married again, and I love my stepdad, but I really struggled in the beginning to connect with the Lord as Father. I could relate to Jesus. I could relate to the Holy Spirit, but I struggled to relate to the Father until the Lord came and He showed me where He has been all my life, where He was literally on the day of the funeral. God gave me a vision, and honestly, that broke something. It broke walls around my heart that I could trust Him as my dad. I could trust that he really loved me. When the Bible says that he loves me, I knew it was true. And I honestly want to encourage us that if you're struggling, maybe you had a difficult relationship with your earthly dad. Maybe you didn't have any earthly father. God wants to break open his father heart to us. And when that thing breaks in our hearts, when that revelation comes, our prayer life goes to a whole nother level. It goes to a whole nother place of intimacy. Where you know that he's always for you. Where you know that he's always got your back. And you know what that solves as well? It solves fear. It solves anxiety. It solves insecurity. And it brings identity. Because the Lord said that when we accept Jesus we've actually been adopted into his family. He gives us, through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. So we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High. And I really believe that that is going to be a key to changing around our, our prayer lives when we remember who he is. Our Father, who roams in the heavenlies. Then it says, in heaven, our Father in heaven. Isn't it good to be reminded that God is not actually stuck in lockdown? <laughs> He's not hiding somewhere in a home. He is in the heavenlies. He is over and above everything that's going on around here. Could it be fair to say he has a bird's eye view <laughs> of all the little things on earth going on that is so huge to us? But we need to remember, he is the God of the heavens. He's the God of the universe. He's the one that created all of the stuff that we worry about so much every day. He's the king who rules over all of creation. All the power belongs to him. Jesus said, Alle mag in alle gesag in die jimmel en op aarde behoort aan my. When we go to the throne, we need to remember we don't need to beg the Lord to bring a change. We don't need to ask if he's willing or does he want. He's the king who rules above all. Amen. 
He is the following. I have to read it, otherwise I'll get it wrong. He's omnipotent. What does that mean? Unlimited power. There is nothing that your Father in heaven cannot do for you. There is nothing impossible for Him. There is nothing too hard for Him. I know we know this, but isn't it good to just hear it again? Sometimes your heart just needs to be reminded of the simplest things. He's omnipotent, unlimited power. He's omnipresent. He's always there. I cannot tell you, I haven't felt that in a long time. Friday morning as I was, was it Friday or Saturday morning? I can't remember. But I sat on the stoop with my feet in the sun, with a decaf coffee, (laughs) and my Bible. And I felt the Lord say, I am listening. And it was like he was right there with me. Oh, it was so amazing. And I was just reminded, oh my word, he's always there. He's always there. He's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. There's no tear that you have shed. There's no hard thing you've gone through. There's no silent prayer you've thought in your heart that he hasn't heard, that he doesn't know about. Every time you've been mistreated, every time someone has accused you of something and you know that you know that you know you're innocent, every time something has tried to come against you, don't think that your Father in heaven is not paying attention. Don't think that he's not seeing every single thing that's going on. And he knows. Someone just needs to know this morning that he knows. That thing that you don't share with anyone Just know that he knows. And I pray that that will encourage your heart this morning. He is the good father. Isaiah 55 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We might not understand today, but don't believe that God is not working. Don't believe. And here's the thing for those of us who are doers, those of us who want to see results. Quickly, efficiently. God never works on our timetable. Just be at peace with that. I've just learned, and I'm just getting myself to a place constantly where I'm just like, okay. He never works on our timetable. But he does work. And I want to encourage you. A lot of the ladies come and sit with me, and we talk about praying. And after a while, they say to me, it's too hard. I've given up. And I've been there, I know. And I want to encourage you this morning, do not give up. Do not stop. Do it through your tears. Do it through your frustration. I don't care what you do, but just do not stop. Because at the right time, at God's perfect timing, it will break. It will come through. Amen? And it will be bigger and better than you could ever think or imagine or dream of. That is the God that we serve. He is for us. And I believe those, that first thing, our Father in heaven, when we position our hearts from that place that we are part of a family, we pray to a Father, not a dead God, and we know that He's omnipotent and His power is so much more than we can ever think or imagine, that is a good place to start in prayer. When we can find our hearts in that place. Number two, I pray I'm going to finish. Hallowed be your name. Laat die naam geheilig word. 
Hallowed be your name. That word hallow means to be holy, to be separate, dedicated, set apart, and to purify. God is a holy God. He is separated from any other God. He is separated from this world. So yes, He is our Father, and we can come to Him just as we are. We don't have to fix ourselves before we come to Him. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. You can always approach Him. But I believe we also need to remember that He's also not our chomi. He is still a holy God. We still need to live with the reverential awe and fear of the King of the universe. We still need to come to him with a humble heart and posture, not telling him what to do, but sharing our heart and our need. And I find myself sometimes before I, well, when I got saved, but when I was starting to really nurture my prayer relationship with the Lord, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me one day (laughs) that I was giving God a to-do list. I was putting together a little to-do list and I thought I was being really efficient And telling him what he needs to be focusing on. (laughs) Okay. This is a good place for us to realize that he is actually God. (laughs) We are not. He's a consuming fire. We pray, Lord, let your fire fall. But when the fire falls, know that there will be chaos. Because he will burn away anything that is not going to be good for us. Anything that cannot come on this journey with us, anything that has to stay behind, that's part of the world. Amen. Hallowed be your name. And I also believe this is a place of worship. It says, hallowed be your name, that we remember who he is, that we worship him, that we give him the awe and the wonder and the glory and the praise that we should. In Psalm 100, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I've noticed some of the most incredible men and women that I really adore and look up to in the body of Christ always starts with thanksgiving to the Lord before they ask him anything. I listen to how people pray, people that I really look up to, and they always start with thanksgiving. It's like thanksgiving and praise opens up the heavens. And so it's a place of worship. We come to him. We acknowledge his lordship. We acknowledge who he is and we put him in his rightful place. He's a holy God. He's worthy to be honored. It's respect. It's honor. And it's humbling. Proverbs 9 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We must have a healthy fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Number three, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we say your kingdom come, it is actually speaking of what? The kingdom that is already here. This is sometimes a confusing topic for people. The kingdom is both now and not yet. The kingdom is now being established through Jesus, through the church, And what is the kingdom? It's his rule and reign in our hearts. But also the scripture I read this morning from Revelation 21 speaks about his kingdom to come at the end of the age. Where the kingdom will be fully consummated and Jesus will take care of all evil for good. That is an exciting day that we are looking forward to. But his kingdom is also here right now. 
Every time we lead someone to the Lord, his kingdom has come. Every time we pray for a sick person, they get healed. The kingdom has come. So that is why we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see God's perfect will established on earth. So when we pray that first, we are first seeking his will above our will. And I believe that is a powerful concept because sometimes we can pray things from our perspective. What he saw is, ne? And remember, we said God's ways are higher. And so to me, that's actually a very safe prayer to pray because if I'm praying his will, I'm not trying to advance my own will that doesn't actually have the perspective that God has. I would rather want his will to be established than mine. Amen. And I believe actually that God's kingdom rule, his will, let's put it this way, God's will is actually for the good for you and me. His will is for every person to receive Jesus Christ, for every person to be reconciled to him. He wants all his children in the sheepfold. So when we pray God's will, it doesn't mean, oh, I have nothing to do with it. I'm actually part of his will. When we actually pray for his will to be accomplished on earth, we're actually saying, Lord, also use me. I'm actually opening myself up to be part of his will on earth. The question is just, do I want to be part of it? I am praying it. But then when he invites me to join along, maybe it is a cup of coffee on Sunday for someone who maybe hasn't been in church for 20 years and today is the day that they come. Whatever he leads you to in your individual lives outside of church, kingdom is seven days a week, not just Sunday. So I believe that is a really powerful thing. His will. And if our prayers are centered on his will to be accomplished, it will carry tremendous power. Tremendous power. I actually believe that's a key to powerful prayer. Lord, let your will be done. Johannes and I pray this probably most for this church. We've got many ideas, many visions, many thoughts, plans. But God, what is your plan? Which one of that is actually from you? We need to always pray his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Obviously, bread is a metaphor for our daily needs. Okay? And this cannot just be bread, food, but we have spiritual needs. We have emotional needs. We have physical needs. So the Bible says that we can actually bring our needs before him and say to him, Lord, sometimes I've had people say, but I feel like there's so much wrong in the world. I need to pray for all these hectic things. I don't feel like I can pray for this need that I have. No, that's where we get it wrong. Of course you can. He's a personal father. You don't go to your dad and just ask him for things for Namibia. <laughs> you know, you ask him for things for you also. And how God supplies is daily. What we need is sufficient for today. Sometimes the reason we are so worried and so stressed is because we want to see confirmation of his provision for 20 years to come. And God says, I want to walk a daily journey with you. My mercies are new every single morning. You will have what you need for today. And I want you to trust me again tomorrow for tomorrow. 
Doesn't mean we can't plan ahead. I'm talking about when we trust God to do something. We have learned in this season that God is a daily provider. We will have enough for today, what we need for today. Amen. The passion says, we acknowledge you as our provider. We have no other source. Number five, before we get to the end, and forgive us our debtors, we forgive our debtors. This is a second very important key that I believe we cannot do without this when we want to approach a healthy prayer life where we see prayers answered, where we experience fellowship and intimacy with the Lord. If there is one thing that will separate us from His presence, that will block the ceiling of heaven over our lives, it is unforgiveness. And it's not just unforgiveness. I love how the Amplified says, and bitterness and resentment. We speak a lot about this in Liberating Truths, and we share testimonies of how we've prayed for people in all sorts of different circumstances, people that cannot receive healing in their lives because of a spirit of unforgiveness. Bitterness, the Bible says, is like a cancer. It eats you up from the inside, literally. It can be the root of so much illness, so much sickness and disease in our lives, but also on the subject of prayer, it can actually block us from receiving what the Lord wants to give us. And so when we speak about forgiveness, and this is a whole topic on its own, forgiveness is a decision. But trust has to be rebuilt over time. And sometimes people struggle with forgiveness because we think that if I have to forgive that person, if I have to let them go, it means it's okay what they did. And they don't get the punishment they deserve. But actually, that's not how the Bible teaches it. When we forgive and release someone, we let go of the wrong done to us. It actually opens up our heart so the Lord firstly can come and heal our heart. And it releases them to the Lord to deal with that. How he deals with it is none of my business and it's none of your business. We so want to be involved with it. But it's something that is going to be powerful for us. If this is an area in your life that you are struggling, I want to encourage you. Go and sit with the Holy Spirit. Get rid of that thing. Release. Ask the Lord to help you, but release it. Let it go. And He's going to come in and heal your heart. And it's going to restore your fellowship with Him. It's going to restore your intimacy. It's going to open up heaven over your prayer life. Amen. And forgiveness is based on knowing how much we have been forgiven of. When we know how much debt we were in before we met Jesus, where our lives were at, we can come to this place where it's going to be easier for us to release people because we know what God has had to forgive us from. Amen. And lastly, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That word temptation in the Greek actually can refer to both temptation or testing. And this is important for us to realize that the Bible says God will never tempt us. Temptation means someone is enticing and lure me into a place to get me to sin. A test is from God, which means he's testing our character to prove where it's at so he can reward that character. He's testing our faith to get it to a stronger place. 
So there is a difference between temptation and tasting. We cannot be delivered from tasting if we want to grow in the Lord. But we can ask the Lord to protect us from the enemy's schemes. We can ask him to protect us against danger. He's a good father. He's a protector. When you shout the name of Jesus, angelic beings are being released from heaven to protect you. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And as we end this morning, I'm going to ask the team to play that song again. But just hold on for a moment. And I want the team to hand out a little piece of paper. And what we are going to do is we're going to pray this morning. You're going to pray by yourself. If you're in your family, you can pray together. But I want you to write down one thing that you are trusting the Lord for in this time of prayer and fasting. It can be anything, whatever is on your heart, whatever is your need, whatever you need the God of the universe to come into, whatever situation it is. It could be in your family, it could be work, it could be whatever it is. If you want to pray for Namibia, it can, whatever. But I want you to really think and write down the one thing that you want to bring before the Lord. And as we play the song, we're going to worship. And I want you to write it down, and I want you to talk to your father about it. Just in your own heart. Just share with him what you need him to do, what you are trusting for, what you are believing for. And don't be scared if it's going to be big. We serve a God of miracles. And then I want you, as we end the song or during the song, however you feel, when you are ready, after you've prayed, I want you to take a prophetic step and just come and toss your little prayer request in here. So you don't need to write down names, but you can write a situation. Because what we want to do is when we have our next team gathering, we want our team to pray over this. Because there is power in the corporate prayer. You are not in your situation alone. And we don't need names, God knows. So I want you to just come and drop it in there. And let's just seek our Father for a minute before we conclude the service this morning. And I'll end for us in a corporate prayer. All right, can the team hand out the little pieces of paper? If you don't have a pen, they've got a few extra ones. All right, team, you can play that last song for us again. And we can just maybe hit those second lights. In Jesus' name.